So, with that in mind, we're going to, we're going to kick straight off. We're going, we are still talking about our best, running our best lap yet. And within the context of 2 Peter, is the sound all right? Is it, it sounds like it's echoing a little bit. Are you guys okay? You okay? It's not echoing too much. Cool. So within the context of, of, the, um, of 2 Peter 1 to 5, so I'm just going to read that. 2 Peter, sorry, verse 2. Um, 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us, has given to us, past tense, all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I like what the ESV says in those last verses. It says that for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just pray and let's just dive into this. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we just ask you to open up your word to us, Father God. I pray, Father, help me to, to, to articulate myself clearly, Father God, to, to, to proclaim, to, to, to prophesy even, to, to declare the heart of God for your people today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You know, God is for you. God is so for you, church, no matter what you're going through. And we're going to open up the Word today, and we're going to look at these aspects of adding to, to, to our faith. We start with faith as, as the, the bedrock, and we're adding all these incredible virtues on top of it, Incre in, in increasing measure, adding to them, not discarding something as yesterday's news, oh, I learned that yesterday, but adding to it, building upon the foundation that has been really established in your life. And, and we're going to look at these, these, these virtues today of to, to godliness. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. You know, God is love. God is love. And this is promise here from 2 Peter that, that we could become partakers of the divine nature. These, these, you know, of all the virtues, of all the blessings, of all the things that God does in our lives, like those good gifts that Sandy expounded on there from, from James, quick, briefly, of all the things that God has done for us, these I see as the most wonderful, the, the, the most precious. These, to me, these are like the, the this is like now entering into the, the true spirituality, the, 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 into, into maturity. You know, it's wonderful. We, we need, we need the, the, the gifts of God in our lives, like the spiritual gifts. We want to see the spiritual gifts in operation. We want to see people healed. We want to see people set free. We want to see people delivered and God undertake for them in every area of their life. But, more, but most importantly, we are saved for relationship with God. You know, he 
He is our Father. This is what we are saved for. The, the whole purpose of, 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 of salvation is to, to get back to that original state of, of God walking with His man in the cool of the day as He did with Adam in the garden in that place of perfection before there was sin that corrupted the heart and mind of man. That is the purpose of God, to bring us back to that place for relationship. Everything else is just a means to get us there. And how we get us there matters. How we get there matters. How we live our lives matters. And so we need to, to build on these virtues, but, but then we need to go deeper. We need to draw near to God because this relationship, this vertical relationship with Him, is going to dictate every horizontal relationship we have with one another. This is the most important. This is what we call to, to walk with God in the cool of the day like His, like his first man, Adam, did. And so we're going to dive into that. Now, Romans 8, you probably know by now, might be my favorite chapter in the Bible, right? But Romans 8, it tells us how that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God knows you're not perfect, and He's not asking you to be perfect, but He's asking you to, to aim towards it, to move towards it. So He removes condemnation. He says, I'm not going to judge you when you fail because I've paid the price for you already. All you've got to do is just trust in me, let me be your saviour, I've paid the price, walk with me, when you stumble, get up, go on, just set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And he says there that he's given us this new law, and he calls it the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and he says it set you free from the law of sin and death. So God has brought in this new way of living, this new covenant, this new way of, of being, and, and, and when we come to Jesus, we, we, are, we are saved, we are changed on the inside out. He gives us a, a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. He, he brings us into relationship with, him, with himself. He puts his spirit within us. And, and, and now we begin, like, like Paul says in, the, in Philippians, to, to work out our own salvation with God. It's personal, it's between me and God. And I, become, I start to become a disciple of Jesus. I am discipled. One of disciples is one who learns from a master, like an apprentice. And we start to become disciples of Jesus. And we, and we enter in. Remember, Jesus told that, 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 that story, that figurative story about salvation. And he said, broad is the way that leads to, to destruction, but narrow is the, is the gate that leads to eternal life. And, and we enter in through that narrow gate. We find the narrow gate. And we enter in through that narrow gate. And it takes us onto a path that, that is windy and dusty and, and hot at times. And it, and it, but it winds ever up into the paths of life. We, we walk on that road. As God walks with us, we're never called to walk that road alone. We, we, we are walking under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who, who lifts us up when we stumble, who helps us, who directs us on, who we never alone. And as we walk that road, we learn that we're not the only one either, that, that there is one God, and there are many disciples. <laughs> he has many disciples. We aren't the only ones that he's taking on this journey. There is this thing called the church, the, bar, the, the body of Christ, and we are all on this road together, running our individual races in, in our lane, but all going together in the same direction. There is one God. <laughs> what does the Bible say? There is one Lord, one faith, one, one baptism, one God and Father over, over us all, and we are all walking together. And he says, he says, how good and pleasant it is when the brothers and sisters live together in unity and in harmony. He says that's where he commands his blessing. You know, it's just like any father in any house. You want your kids and your family to be living together in harmony. 
And so does our Heavenly Father. He wants us to walk together, to, to, to work out our individual salvation with Him in this horizontal relationship between us and Him, but also to work out this one, the, the vertical one. Is that the right way around? I've got, have I got the right vertical and horizontal? You know what I'm saying anyway. <laughs> the one with each other. Get this one right with Him, and then get this right one right with each other. And that's when He's blessed, and, and that's what you want for your families as well. This whole thing, we are family church, and we aren't just a, a family of believers here, but we are family with God and with all the saints. We are called to family. So, the downside, unfortunately, is that there is this tendency within the heart of man <laughs> to put self first. And we can see it. You go, you go back, you look at the original disciples even. You look at those boys. Man, they were a rough bunch, eh? They, they, weren't this, they, weren't, they, they didn't come out of the boys' brigade or nothing like that, huh? They were a rough bunch. Peter, this fisherman, I mean, the first time Jesus sees him, he says, can I use your boat? He says, stay away from me. I'm a sinful man. Have nothing to do with me. He, at one stage, he, he takes up a sword. He's willing to fight it. He takes a chop at a guy's head with a sword. That's like, that's like taking a machete and going at somebody's head. This is Peter. These guys weren't just sweet little choir boys. They, they were a rough bunch, right? They were real people. And these guys too, supremacy. Who's going to be the greatest among all of us? That's what they're arguing about. We see it at, at, at the Last Supper in Luke. I looked it up. Luke 22 and 23 and verse 24. Now, this is at the Last Supper, right? Jesus has just told them. He's broken bread with them and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And in verse 23, they say, then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Verse 24, now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be, should be considered the greatest. So these guys, okay, they're, they're, having this, they're having this present tense conversation. They've just discovered someone's going to betray Jesus. Who is it? Who's, this, who, you know, who's, who's it going to be? They're having a conversation now. But it says, now there was also a dispute among them. This thing is ongoing. This thing hasn't just started now. This is something that's ongoing. It's an unresolved issue among the disciples, among Jesus' 12 disciples. They are arguing among themselves, who is the greatest of us all, even right up to the point of the Last Supper. You know, we see it in another, in Mark's Gospel, they're on the road up to Capernaum. And Jesus says to them when they get to the place, what were you guys disputing on the way? And none of them would tell him, because they were discussing who was going to be the greatest, because they knew that they felt embarrassed. And, they didn't, and he says to them, look, the greatest among you is, 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 is the servant. It's he who is, the servant is the greatest of you, of you all. Why? And he, and he gives them this example by washing their feet. Jesus, what? Jesus, the Messiah, bends down and washes the dirtiest disciples' dirty feet and is an example of, of absolute servanthood. I think to myself, what, what is the purpose of a servant? You know, what, why a servant? What's, a servant is one who's there to, to assist others, to build others, to, to make a way for others, isn't it? That's what a servant does, really. It takes care of the chores. It takes care of the thing so that the master can get on with the, with the business. That is what a servant does. It supports others. It assists others. I would say that a servant is one who is part of the solution. You know, any idiot can be a part of the problem. We can all go and jump in and be a part of the problem. If somebody cuts you off the road, I, I, can, be a, I can be a part of the problem. I can hoot back at them, and I can, or I can be a part of the solution. Listen, he might be in a bad state. He, he, I don't know what's going on in his life. Why don't I just back off a little bit and be a part of the solution? It doesn't take much. 
but that's a servant heart to help others to be a part of the solution. And I want to include that being a part of it, being a servant, part of that is extending brotherly kindness to others, extending a bit of brotherly kindness. Be a part of the solution. You know, I, I think it's really interesting that this, this phrase, brotherly kindness, the only place you find it is in Peter's, Peter's Gospel in Second Peter. You find the word kindness for sure. You find loving kindness, you'll find kindness, but you don't find brotherly kindness, but only one place in Peter's Gospel in this very, in this very scripture we've been reading through. And just looking back at Peter, like I'm saying, Peter was this rough fisherman, right? He was a guy that was willing to, to fight, to physically take up a sword and fight and die with the sword. And yet he's the one that says, let's have brotherly kindness. And so we've got to rewind a little bit and we go back to that very night, that, that last supper, where Jesus is with the disciples. And at the end of the supper, Jesus says to, to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. He wants to sift you. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail you. And when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. And I think to me that, that Peter is the one that says, bless your brotherly kindness. He's fulfilling what Jesus called him to do, to strengthen his brothers. But you know, that process of sifting, and I just thought, I know we're talking about, about brotherly kindness today, but I just want to just, just park here for a moment because the, the, there, the, there are things that happen in life that, that we don't expect. Life often throws us a curveball. And sometimes there is that, 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 that person of the devil behind it, right? And Jesus said, Jesus said, Satan has desired, he's asked for you. He's asked to sift you. And that sifting, you know, to be sifted, just, just, just to pause and think, to be sifted means it's like to be sieved. It's like to go through a sieve. That the grain would be throw, put into this, to, to like a sieve. And it would be tossed up in the air. Be tossed up in the air. And all the stuff, the chaff, all the, 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 the banter, all, the, all the, 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 um, the superficial, the light, it gets blown away by the wind. And only what has substance remains. Only what has substance remains. You know, when I first came to the Lord, just brief testimony, I was a wreck. I gave my life to the Lord on the 16th of September, 1992, sitting at my dining room table in my house. When I did so, I had to let go of the lifestyle I was leading, the superficial life that I was leading, to cover all the flaws and the, the, the emptiness in my life. And when that went, the next two to three years were, were hell on earth for me. Sorry, just saying. Heaven, there was, it wasn't just roses. <laughs> In fact, it was terrible. But I lived by conviction. I just knew I had a conviction that Jesus was actually alive, that he raised from the dead, and that I was in big trouble unless I made right with him. And that's what got me saved. That, that's why I asked him to forgive me and to be the Lord of my life. But for the next two to three years, there was just this, there was an, an immediate stripping away when I had to let go of the superficial, of, 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 of the crazy drink, drug, lifestyle I was living, and, and, and I realized that I was empty. There was zilch inside of me. I felt, I was a, I felt like a hollow man. I honestly felt I was empty. There was, there was nothing inside of me. I was empty. Everything was superficial. Everything was just to help me get through the day, 
to help me get through the week. Look forward to the next party. Look forward to New Year's Eve. We could go and get drunk again and go and be crazy and just to get me through. And when I let go of it, man, it was hard. There was nothing inside. There was nothing inside. And that's what, it's, that's what a sifting will do to you. It will test what you believe. I'm not saying you're going to look, don't go looking for one. You don't want it, right? Nobody wants to be sifted. But <laughs> it does bring something about in us. This isn't just like a, it's not just a, like a, we've been talking recent weeks about a, a spiritual MOT where you have a, a checkup from the neck up, you know. This, this is the full scan. This is a full body scan. What do you believe? And life will challenge you at times. What do you really believe? And how are we going to behave? How are we going to react to that? And, and if we look at the life of Peter, he went back to fishing. After Jesus was crucified, Jesus went back to fishing and he took others with him. He went back to his old lifestyle. He had given up. He didn't know what to do until, until we see Jesus appear back into the scene, appear back into Peter's life and call him when they were out fishing and restore him back. And he makes them fish and he makes them breakfast on the beach. Do you remember that, that time? Jesus restores him back. But even Peter had gone back to his old ways. Do you know what? God is faithful. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going to go through, what you ever could go through, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never just discard you and give up on you. He will always be there to restore you. He will always be there to draw you back. He is, he is a good, good father. So now this, 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 new, this new sifted Peter, you know, he comes now with his, he returns and he, and he strengthens those, but, he, but he's carrying some scars. <laughs> he's got some scars. You know, he denied Jesus. He denied Jesus at his most vulnerable time. When Jesus has been falsely accused, Peter had the ability to step forward and say, that's a lie, I was there, it never happened. He was a witness. He denied Jesus, and he preserved himself. So Peter had to carry these scars for the rest of his life. Who knows how long it took him to overcome them, eh? You know, we all carry scars. I don't want to talk to people that don't have any scars, in fact. I love people that carry a few scars. Just like, like Jacob, you know. Remember Jacob, who... who um, wrestled with the Lord. He wouldn't let go of the Lord until the Lord blessed him, until the Lord had to say to him, listen, who are you? And he says, I am Jacob. The word Jacob means deceiver, supplanter. He had to recognize who he was. And then the Lord touches him in the hip. And from the day on, he walks with a limp. But he goes from being called Jacob to Israel, friend with God. And you know, there's a, there's a place in our lives where we've got to learn, just learn to, to walk with that limp. Learn to walk with those scars because there is a, I believe there is a, a humility that comes with it when we recognize that we aren't all that. We're not all that we thought we were. Nobody is. We, we are who we are. We're a work in progress. God is taking us from where we are. And so we move forward and we learn to assess ourselves correctly. That's what, that's what humility is, to assess yourself correctly and we learn to treat others a little bit better we learn brotherly kindness just be a little bit kind to others because i know i'm not all that myself and so we learn how to treat others and 1 timothy 5 i like this how we treat others it says do not rebuke an older man but exhort him as a father younger men as brothers old women as mothers 
younger women as sisters with all purity, with all purity. This is how we are to treat one another. As brothers and sisters, this is a family. You don't rebuke an older man or an older woman, but you exhort them, you build up. We show some kindness to them. Colossians 3, verse 12 to 14 says it better still. I say, it says, have we got it on the screen there? Therefore, yeah. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. You are holy and beloved in Christ Jesus. It says, put on. The NRV says, to clothe yourself. The NRV says, clothe yourself. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness. Not weakness, meekness. Strength under submission. Long-suffering. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The ESV says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We have got, we've been looking at these virtues. Add to your faith. Virtues, self-control, moral excellence, all these things. But love is the thing that, that, that bounds these all together, brings them all into perfect harmony. Because you see, at the end of the day, we all have this ability to put self first. So no matter how far I am on my journey, I'm 30 years into my journey walking with Jesus, but I can tell you I still have what I regard as like this just danger area in my life. Now don't worry, I'm not psycho, right? We've all got it. It's, it's this area where, where, where I have no margin left in my life. The, 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 the band, I've no bandwidth left. And, and, and now someone puts a demand on me that comes into the very, very fine margins I've got left. And this thing, there's something just comes from the deepest part of my soul that I'm not even aware is there until it happens. And it's just this, this thing of self-preservation where I'll just fight back. Just no, just stay out. The, and I need to fight for myself. I need to put myself first. I need to consider me first because I'm into this area of self. I've got to preserve myself. And we've all got it. We've all got this danger area. And just becoming virtuous and just becoming changed isn't good enough. We've got to have this, 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 this cloak of love that binds it all together. God is love. And we are to become like him. We can become partakers of the heavenly nature by practicing love. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. We all have this, this area in our lives. And, and, and I, I was thinking about it and I thought, well, am I just psycho or something? And I'm not. I, I, I thought of, I, the, I think the Holy Spirit reminded me of Jesus in the wilderness. You know, the, those 40 days when Jesus was, the Bible said he fasted, but it says he was tempted of the, de of the devil in the wilderness. So for 40 days, Jesus went without food, led there by the Spirit of God to go without food for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, the tempter came to him and started his temptation. Why? The Bible says that, that, that it just tells you the words. It says that, and then Satan, you know, Satan came to him and said, you know, if you are the son of man, turn these stones into bread. But it doesn't tell you the whole picture of what happened, and you've got to use a bit of, a bit of um, imagination, a bit of anointed imagination, sanctified imagination, right? Because remember, the only person who was there was Jesus. So Jesus obviously told the disciples what had happened in the wilderness, right? That's how they recorded it. They, they walked with them for three years, but they weren't with them in the wilderness. There wasn't a big brother camera. 
right? The only person there was Jesus. So the only way that this could be recorded was Jesus has told them, but he hasn't told them in detail. And you know what? Let's not be so religious that we can't spend time to think into what actually happened there. Because I was thinking of this, and, and I, you know, okay, write me a letter if you think I'm wrong, right? But I imagine, this is what I imagine was happening, that at the end of those 40 days, this voice comes to Jesus, this, this thought comes to Jesus from the tempter, and he says to him something along the lines of that, so, um, you know you're dying. Do you realize that you're dying? This, do you realize that this is where following the will of your Father has got you? What, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? You've, you've been following the will of your Father, and look where it's got you. You're dying. You, uh, you feel that pain inside of you? That's your kidneys packing up. You feel that pain over there? That's your liver. And, that, and these voices, you are dying. So, so Jesus, if you are the Son of God, preserve your life. You are the Son of God. Command these stones to turn into loaves of bread. Stop following the God. Stop following the Father. Take control of yourself. You are the Son of God. Exercise your God power. Turn these stones into bread and provide for yourself. At his weakest time. You know, the Bible says that after Jesus had rebuked the devil in every way, he withstood him, he stood on the word of God and refuted the devil. It said that Satan left him for a more opportune time. He waited for another opportune time. When? When Jesus would be back into that, into that danger zone within his, own, within his own self. You see, Jesus operated as a man, not as God. If he had operated as God, that was the whole temptation. Operate as God. Turn these, use your deity to turn the, those, those stones of bread. Because if you do, you can't be their substitute and your life's been worth nothing. Jesus would not have been our substitute if he had taken up his godly powers. He had to be one of us. He had to be born of a woman to be one of us, to pay the price for sin. He was, he was the Lamb of God. God couldn't pay the price for man's sin. Only a man could. That's why Jesus was, was the, 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 the immaculate son of Mary, given by God, but, but not by man. Born as a man, he had to live this life and he lived it perfectly. And we see, we even see it again in Jesus' life in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's into this, into this, this, this narrow area of, of, his, of, his, of self to preserve himself, and he's praying, Father, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he, swe he, he sweats drops of blood in the agony of letting go of, of, of this need to preserve his very life but he does it perfectly. He takes it right through to the death of the cross. Right through. Do you know what strength it is? I, I get so irritated with these religious pictures of Jesus with watery blue eyes. I hate saying that too, because I've also got watery blue eyes. They're always watery and they're blue. But this picture of Jesus with these watery blue eyes, the little sheep over his lap, under his arm, you know, skipping through the tulips. Do, do you understand how far that is from the reality of who Jesus was? Can you picture how strong a character Jesus was, that, that, that he could go sweat this, this and, and let go of self and, and, and his own life? You know, it's one thing to, to, to die a martyr, but it's another thing to, to live that sacrifice, and he had to live that sacrifice until he died, to make that decision to choose, to trust God, in the knowing that your life's going to be taken from you by horrific torture. Incredible strength, incredible strength. John the Baptist thought he could do it, 
and we all quote John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. Hallelujah. It sounds good, and it is actually right. Okay, it's good stuff. We must decrease so that he can increase in our lives. But even John, when he was thrown into prison, you know, he, eventually he gets all offended because he hears that all the people are going to Jesus and he's baptizing. He sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you really the one? And Jesus has to send a message back to him and say, listen, the blind see, the lame walk, and John, blessed is he who's not offended in me. You know what? <laughs> we, 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 we all want to get to that place of letting go of self and trusting God implicitly in our lives. But it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's a journey. But you know, Jesus said, we have that ability. Jesus said we have that ability. He said of John the Baptist, he said, you know, there's been no greater man born of woman other than John the Baptist. He said, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. If you've been born again, you are in the kingdom of God, and the least of us in the kingdom of God is greater than the, John the Baptist, who was the greatest born of woman. Why? Because God has given you a heart of flesh. He has put his spirit within you, and you now have that ability to yield to his spirit within you, to go the way of the spirit. You have that ability. They didn't in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God didn't indwell them and, and lead them and guard them. You and I do have that ability, and we can choose, like Romans 8 says, to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, to walk by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We have that choice. We can do that. You know, the crucial thing, the turning point was this, I think. For Jesus says in John 14, he says, at that last supper, he says, Listen, the ruler of this world is coming. We're going to finish up the supper now. Let's go. He said, because the ruler of this world is coming. He knew Satan was coming back for him. He was going to be in a vulnerable position. And he says, the, world, the ruler of this world is coming. But that the world may know that I love the Father, I do what he commands me. That the world may know that I love the Father. This is what enabled Jesus to follow through with what he was called to do. And I just want to encourage you. Actually, no, I'm going to pause there. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me tell you something. The difference between love and lust, right? Love will give even when it costs yourself. When you love, you will give to others even when it costs you emotionally, your time, your money, whatever. You'll give. Lust takes even at the expense of others. And I couldn't help but think, you know, I know it's quite a serious message, and this is, but anyway, I couldn't help thinking of a track. I love that movie Shrek. You guys saw it? Remember, oh, oh, what was his name? Lord Farquaad. Reminds me of Putin, horrible little man. And um, Lord Farquaad. And, and, and he's commissioning his, his, um, he's commissioning his, his, his knights to go out and fight and, 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 go, and um, go, go and rescue the, the princess from the dragon. And he says what he's commissioning. He says, now listen, some of you might get killed doing this, but that's okay. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to pay. Lust takes at the expense of others. Do you get it? You will allow other, lust will allow others to pay the sacrifice, to, to pay the price. But love gives even when it costs. And I want to encourage you, when you get into that red zone in your life, when you get into that zone in your life where you feel you've got nothing left to give, just go another inch. 
just another inch, I'm telling you. Always, we, we need to be always increasing, always going forward. I, I, I believe one inch of ground that we can make within this, within this margin of self-preservation where we feel we have to preserve ourselves, just an inch of ground we can make there where we trust God with our lives to provide for us whatever the need might be. I believe that inch of ground we make there is, is more value than a hundred miles we can make in our comfort zones with doing all these other virtues and being wonderful people that we are. Just go that extra mile. Just, just push on for the cause of Christ, for the love of the Father. Just push on. You know, you were created in His image. You were created in the image of God. You were born into the kingdom. And you can, you can partake of the divine nature. You and I can. And so, coming into a land, I just want to share with you two scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. And we'll all know Corinthians, but I've asked Johnny to put up the New King James, but then I've changed my mind and I'm reading from the ESV because it just says it a little bit clearer. So 1 Corinthians 13, some of you might have had it at your weddings, you know. But this is a well-known scripture, and it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We, we are called to be ever-increasing. And listen to what he says. He carries on down here. I won't read it all, but he, he starts saying that love never ends. He, says, he, he starts talking about prophecies which will, which will pass away. Actually, I will read it. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Because why? Because Jesus is coming back, right? We, so so there will be a time when you won't need prophecy because you're going to be with Jesus. Why would you need, you know, you're going to be in the kingdom. You're going to be in heaven. Why would you need prophecy? What, why would you need these other things? They, these things will pass away. And he, and he says, but, but basically, but love will remain. And he says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. God is calling us on to maturity, to grow up in love, to exercise brotherly kindness, to, to live godly lives, to exercise brotherly kindness, to, to become people of love, to partake of his nature. God is love. We can mature into love, to become people, to be known as a people of love. You know what? There's got to be a difference between the church and the world. There are lots of good, good clubs, good people. Religion in itself is even good. Any religion. It, 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 it puts discipline on people and it makes them better people. But there's something that, that, that is the difference. And it's, and it's got to be this, where we, where we are, become partakers of the divine nature, not by self-effort, but by yielding to the Spirit of God within us who is taking us on an ever-increasing measure to maturity through love, through, 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 through servanthood, by, by helping others to be a part of the solution in other people's lives for the love of God, for it to be genuine. 
And I'm going to close with Ephesians 4, verses 13 to 16. And verse 30, I'll just read it from here. It says, it says that he speaks, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we come to that unity. We're, about, we're talking about growing. Till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, in love. I'm just going to go back to 1 Peter. Bear with me. His, his divine power has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature. Church, let, let's be people of faith. Let's be people of faith, and let's add to that faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And then let's take them all, and let's, and let's put godliness, and brotherly kindness, and love as a cloak around them all. Because we all have an area within ourselves that we need to grow through, that area of self-preservation, that area where we want to put ourselves first. And we have to have something that is going to keep us stable, whilst we grow. We're all a work in progress. We're all being changed as we walk forward with God. But let's have that love surrounding us and we'll become more like God progressively each day. Amen.